This is a special world report with a friend of Megagoria. We plan to do metagenomics today. But as we start to uncover some things, we turn it into a world report. We're going to cover a spectrum of topics to give you a better perspective on lying voices, of which our says do not believe, especially for people overseas who gets really bad information from the news, even 10 times worse than us, to help you have a perspective of the truth of what's going on. But nonetheless, for people on this side of the world and in this nation. Our lady said, March 25th, 2020, Satan is reigning and wants to destroy your lives and the earth on which you walk. Break down that message. Think about that message. Are we just on a cakewalk? Is this just another time for the devil? Or is it something biblical? Could it be? Perhaps you think, maybe, that it's the time of revelation when the beast will rise up and his head will be crushed and he'll be mortally wounded. He'll be stopped. But a time after that, a period of time, he'll come back to life, surviving the mortal wound. And who inflicts the mortal wound to the head? Whose feet is that? You think, oh, he's coming to Medjugorje just to get us holy and, and we're going to have a picnic? She's here because of revelation. She is here not because I'm saying it now. I've been saying this for years all the way from the end of the 80s, to crush evil, crush Satan and his evil system. But it's hard to have the reality when you see somebody or recognize somebody that you say, oh, they're the Antichrist or they're part of an Antichrist system because the church does teach it's not so much as the man as it is the system. But all systems has a man running it. That's why we always have a president or a dictator or somebody who rules like a king. And Satan wants to be crown of the world. And we have the coronavirus showing who this comes from. So Our Lady didn't say he wants power. He's coming. He is reigning. Satan is reigning. Take that literally. He is entrenched. He is in power. But he's in the spiritual realm. So he has to make things happen physically, which puts him in the people that live in the physical realm. Who are they? Do you recognize them? And do you recognize who those are that would be against the Antichrist system? I mentioned in the last Mesonomics about Obama, that he was an antichrist. 
We got a feedback. I think it's from Africa. And he says, if Obama is the Antichrist, then you are the Antichrist too. And he adds, you are a clown. Leave Medjugorje marrying out of these. Let's go back to the message. You cannot degradate the power of the message of a lady saying he's reigning, Satan, and he wants to destroy your lives, and the earth on which you walk. That's when the Antichrist comes. He's going to have the power and the ability to do that. Does he have the power to do that? He's gaining it. His system's there, and our lady says he's reigning. So don't tell me this isn't biblical. Reason says the opposite. And Our Lady doesn't deceive us. She says, be apostles of revelation. And Our Lady also says, children, look at the signs of the times. 2,000 years ago, Jesus says, watch for the signs of times. And he said, when you look at these signs, it can compare to what you see when the clouds gather. You know a storm's coming. And when you see the fig tree bloom, you know spring's coming. That's elementary. Do you not see the signs? Do you not believe that? So the question comes back, am I an antichrist or is this is Obama? We're going to play a clip from Obama that's very amazing because it shows that an antichrist system has to take the rights of the people away. But it's very difficult to do that through battle. You have to have them give you the rights to a higher sovereign power. That would be an international ruling government headed by a head. Obama's mother relayed to him and said, you don't want to just be the president. You want to be the president of the whole world. In this 21-second segment you're about to hear, Obama is addressing the United Nations, which is a system that would be gravitated toward evil if it wanted to control the world, the people, everything in the world. Listen carefully. And for the international order that we have worked for generations to build, ordinary men and women are too small-minded to govern their own affairs. That order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. Are you stunned? Is this not revealing? And the international order that we have worked for generations to build, ordinary men and women are too small-minded to govern their own affairs. Thomas Jefferson said just the opposite. He said, Jefferson, the way to have good and safe government is not to trust it all into one but to divide it among the many, distributing to everyone exactly the functions he is competent to. I don't think Thomas Jefferson is thinking the people he's speaking to is small-minded. Jefferson continues, Let the national government be entrusted with the defense of the nation and its foreign and federal relations and the state governments, the civil rights, Laws, police, administrations of what concerns the state generally. Then he says, the counties with the local concerns of the counties. And then he adds, 
and each ward direct the interest within itself. See, he's going down lower the chain of command to make it stronger, not lesser like what Obama was saying, ruling from the top. He's making a statement to rule from the bottom. But he's not through. He says, it is by dividing and subdividing these republics from the great national one down through all its subordinations. And then he says something really very profound, where the real power is, where it's invested, where it's supposed to be ruled by. Then he talks about going down with the power, and he says this, until it ends in the administration of every man's farm by himself, by placing under everyone what his own eye may superintend, that all will be done by the best. This is profound, because this is what makes a nation. Those who have the boots on the ground are ordained by God to take care of their own affairs. He ends this whole statement saying, What has destroyed liberty and the rights of man in every government which has ever existed under the sun? He's asking a question. And then he answers it. He says, the generalization and the concentrating all cares and power into one body. That is what the goal is since the beginning of Garden of Eden for centralization and the control. I think this is so important that you hear this again. And for the international order that we have worked for generations to build. Ordinary men and women are too small-minded to govern their own affairs. That order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. This man was going to have a third term through Hillary. And they had everything placed. Deep state, thousands, tens of thousands of people everywhere. Through the government, through the law agencies, through the CIA. This is not theoretical. It's real. And it's treason. And treason is punishable by death. Why? Because it's such a serious thing to change a nation. He wanted to do that. He said it. Quote, we will fundamentally change this nation. And now our evidence is there. Trump is hated because he's an anti-anti-the-Christ system. He's for pushing it down to the blue-collar man. In fact, his son said of Trump, that my father is a blue-collar billionaire. He loves the people. He don't want to be ruling over him. Obama does. This next clip, about a minute and a half, is very revealing how much power Obama planted in the government to take over when Hillary was going to elected. Evaluate for yourself. You say this is politics, this ain't about the Virgin Mary. This is everything about the Virgin Mary. Satan is reigning and he wants to destroy your lives and the earth on which you walk. And one of his targets was to get rid of Trump. He has to. Don't think. People don't want to kill him. We know somebody has fronted and been somewhat connected to the Secret Service and through other people we know. This president has had more plots and plans to kill than not probably all the presidents we've ever had. Why? Because Satan hates the direction he's going. 
This next clip by Trump reveals some things that you already know, but because what the reporter asks and the question he asks, it accentuates how serious the situation is. Says treason is punishable by death. You've accused your adversaries of treason. Who specifically are you accusing of treason? Well, I think a number of people, and I think what you look is that they have unsuccessfully tried to take down the wrong person. If you look at Comey, if you look at McCabe, if you look at probably people people higher than that, if you look at Strzok, if you look at Lisa Page, they talked openly. You know, they didn't use their private server because they didn't want to get caught, so they used the government server. That was not a good move. Uh, he talked about the insurance policy, just in case crooked Hillary loses. And that didn't work out too well for them. So you look at them, uh, they want an insurance policy so that should she, for any reason, lose. Remember, 100 million to one. Maybe he said 100 million to nothing. But should she lose, we'll have an insurance policy and we'll get this guy out of office. And that's what they said and that's what they meant. That's treason. That's treason. They couldn't win the election, and that's what happened. And that's what's happening right now, because without the treason word, I guess, but that's what's happening now. They don't feel they can win the election, so they're trying to do the thousand stabs. Keep stabbing. Let's have a financial. Let's have — and if you look, for $40 million, I would think, seriously, that Bob Mueller and his group of 18 killers have gone over my taxes. They've gone over my financial statements to a level that nobody has gone over them before. And they were not discussed even. They weren't even discussed or brought up. Trump named people, Strzok, Page, Comey, McCade, and all these people are high profile and they're way up in the government. One's ahead of the FBI. Mueller was over everything in the proceedings to indict Trump. But did you hear Trump say he gave the media these names but he says there's other higher up than these that were committing treason. If you have to go higher than that, you have to go to the president, who was part of this in the past. And that would be Obama and his wife and others right next to him, Valerie Jarrett. All these people have committed treason. And it is punishable by the most severest verdict that can be given because it affects millions of people. They planned to destroy the United States of America and the world. Obama said it. To get rid of the United States, to surrender the rights of all other people across the world to a all-powerful. Jesus didn't want to be a king on earth. He rejected that. That's something of man. He didn't want to reign. But the devil does. And Obama's words that you heard said that you people who are small-minded cannot govern your own affairs. And he calls on individuals will surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. And that sovereign is not just necessarily a human man. It's the devil who will become incarnate in the man. But see, now that something's disrupted that because the Virgin Mary's coming here. She's changing things. She wants us to stop this. So there won't be an all-powerful sovereign. He's reigning, but she's here to do some big, big disruptions. How did they bring this about? Which road is this walking on? 
when I got ready to write, they fired the first shot in 2012. In a period of six months, I was following all these messages in a special way. And I could see she was talking about something, something very evil that wanted to come to Rue. That was one of the messages she says. And then she says later, pride has come to Rue. And we were seeing all these things, what Obama was doing, but behind the scenes, the messages were showing and speaking to us about something. And I began to see that very clearly. And it was about Antichrist and an Antichrist system. When you surrender all your rights to an all-powerful sovereign, you become a slave. Our lady said, June 25th, 1989, you're in great temptation and danger because the world and material goods lead you into slavery. Slavery is those who surrender their lives. Obama's words were surrender, not give up their rights, but surrender. It's going to be by force. How's it going to happen? Let's go back to they fired the first shot. And I recommend you read this book now to understand today what's going on and what you have to do in the future. Don't think because it was written eight years ago that it's out of date. It's more in date than when it was published. You go back and read this book. And you'll find in the book what Obama's saying there. How will they make people surrender? Not give up their rights, but literally surrender. It's make you a slave. When Sarah Palin was running for vice president, and she was at the top of everything, there's one point she's coming down a hallway. And the picture taken showed her walking, and right there around the corner, you could see a man waiting for her. And it was Henry Kissinger. Immediately when I saw those two photos, because of growing influence, they had to tap her. They had to redirect her. Henry Kissinger is a globalist. He's part of the system. He wrote something you should read. It's called Kissinger's 1974 Plan for Food Control Genocide. You won't believe what you read. It's written by Joseph Bruda, B-R-E-W-D-A. Look it up. It's important to understand lying voices that you educate yourself. Or that he wants you to be enlightened. That's what she's here for with the messages. You're not supposed to be sticking your head in the sand. And this message of March 25th, Say he wants to destroy your lives and on the earth what you walk. And then she says, be courageous. Why would she say that? Because you're going to be in battle. You're going to be in confrontation. You're going to be attacked saying you're an antichrist. And this other guy is saying here, oh, well, he's not an antichrist. You need to be aligned. It's not just praying to Our Lady. Our Lady is here to make us aware of our surroundings by looking at the signs of times and what's coming and what we need to do to change our life in the time of grace, she's told us. What did Henry Kissinger say? A very revealing point. He said, and I'm quoting this out of the book, They Fired the First Shot, 2012. Said in 1970, so this has been going on for a long time. The government has put themselves knowing better than what you know. You just heard that from Obama in his statement. We know everything. You know nothing. Quote, Henry Kissinger, control oil and you control nations. Control food, you control the people. Control money, 
and you control the world. Kissinger's not quoting somebody. He's saying this. This is how it's going to work. And that's 1970, and now we see this manifesting, this whole system. So here comes now the coronavirus, and we're shutting down the world. And they're using this thing to control things and bring things about. But let's go not to the sovereigns. Let's go to the boots on the ground, those small-minded people who give their perspective and see if you can discover where we're going with these things, especially right now. Control the food and you control the people. This comes from a rancher in Texas. Hey everybody, this is Shad Sullivan coming to you from the headwaters of Bitter Creek, Archer County, North Texas. We have to talk. State officials will be assisting to help identify potential alternative markets if a producer is unable to move animals and if necessary, advise and assist on depopulation and disposal methods. Ladies and gentlemen, we are plowing under vegetable crops from coast to coast. We are euthanizing millions of chickens. We are aborting sows and burying feeder pigs. We are dumping milk by the hundreds of thousands of gallons and now they are preparing us to depopulate the fat cattle ready to harvest because of a bottleneck created by the effects of COVID. This thing hasn't been created by COVID, but the effects of COVID and the logistics therein. We are in trouble. Our food supply is in trouble. And I am appealing to producers and consumers across the nation to start calling. Yesterday, the first shipment of imported beef from the country of Namibia hit the shores of the United States of America. And yet this morning, they are telling us to prepare to euthanize harvest-ready cattle. Am I the only one that sees a problem in this? It is time we get the American people back to work. It is time we get money flowing. It is time we get food on the shelves. Because if you're not concerned about this food supply problem, you better be. We have a huge supply and demand of food across this nation. We can feed the world ourselves, and yet we're destroying our harvests. At the same time, we are importing beef from other countries, beef that is less regulated than our beef, less safe, not as high quality of product, and yet it's happening. At the same time, they are preparing for us to euthanize our harvests. Does that make sense to America? For the last 10 years, we have been uh, pressed to be sustainable. I've said all along, sustainability is a fraud. And right now, we're being forced to destroy our harvests. That doesn't sound like sustainability to me. 
but it is part of the overall goal to vertically integrate your food system. You see, they cannot have control of the people unless they have control of the food, the water, the land, production. It is time we get back to work. It is time uh, the American people force uh, the government to listen to us. We are of, by, and for the people. This is not Nancy Pelosi's country. This is not Donald Trump's country. This is your country. And you're going to go hungry. We must get regional and local packing houses up and going. Do we have to have those big, big packing plants? You bet we do. And they need to be running right now. We need help. You as a consumer are in trouble. My dad told me years ago the best thing that would happen to America is if everybody had to sit in the dark, cold, and hungry, and that would wake them up. Well, I think it's coming. We're in a dangerous position, ladies and gentlemen. We need to get inspectors into these small plants. We need to get better inspectors. We need to get going on this today, not tomorrow, today. You need to be calling your legislators. We need to be opening up the country. Your food supply is in danger. Ranchers are going broke every day. We're doing all we can to stay here. We are in crisis in America. This is a crisis. This is a national crisis. And everybody's just sitting back enjoying their time off, enjoying that $1,200, not knowing that overnight you're going to go hungry. It's coming. Ladies and gentlemen, we need your help. We need your help today. Everybody, all hands on deck. It's time. I don't want any beef out of Namibia. I don't want any beef out of Brazil. I want my own beef. I'm blessed to be able to eat my own beef. But a lot of you aren't. And you need the freedom to choose your product. Demand that these people get back to work. Where have our patriots gone? Where are you? I ask you that today. This thing's going to be incredibly tough overnight. It's already tough. You think the shelves were empty two weeks ago. You just wait. We have a bottleneck in this processing facility and the logistics in this uh, transportation system of our food supply. You think we're not in trouble? We are. I'm sorry. My tone is so bad. I'm so upset. But we have got to get this going today, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate your support. Producers, start reaching out to consumers. Forget these associations. Forget all of the, the corrupt that's been going on. we got to put a stop to it, too. It's time. My apologies for my tone. I'm worried about my country. Try to make it a good day, you guys. Shad standing in his pasture said, they're trying to control the people. Well, that's what they planned in 1970. They said this is what we're going to do. Control oil. Control the nations. Control food. You control the people. Control money. You control the world. Can you say that the pandemic is separate from this? They're looking for opportunities. And this was man-made. Probably never know the truth. One thing we do know in the spiritual realm, Satan is using this to reign and get stronger to destroy the earth. And that came out even years before this message did when our lady said, Satan wants to destroy mankind and the planet on which you live. And that, my dear friend, was when Satan was trying to do what he's doing right now because that was the Iraq war. 
and all the oil fields were being bombed. Some scientists says the whole earth will be covered with a cloud from the oil burning and bring on an ice age. You say, well, it didn't happen. That's true. But what did happen, Our Lady said, January 25th, 1991, Dear children, today, like never before, I invite you to prayer. Why? Then she says, Satan is strong, and he wishes not only to destroy human life, but also nature and the planet on which you live. That should give you goosebumps. This was his first big push to start raining, but he didn't make it. But he has now. And in that period, she didn't say, and she's not saying, and we don't want to time this message just specifically that, because this message, as well as all of these messages, will apply to the end of the earth. So after she talks about on the planet in which you live, being destroyed, she says, you can protect yourselves through prayer. God sent me to you so that I can help you. She's here versus the Antichrist, a system that exists. It only has to be turned on. Alighty wants to enlighten you, not just through her messages, but through the messages to be a template over everything that's taking place today so that you can make decisions for the direction of your life. That's what the Corona Vision was about. The book I wrote. I'm telling you, get that book. You spread it to everybody. Medjugorje is legal. You can promote it. If your priest or somebody stops you, and they will, they'll try to, you can promote Medjugorje. You can pass these things out. It's not heretical. Just reading that one thing, coupled with real-life experiences in the physical realm that's taking place, will make people reason one plus one equals two. They'll see things they don't see now. And a lot of people are seeing things they don't see. In January of the Iraq War, that stayed in the spiritual realm. It got stopped. But now we see literally things in the physical realm. Fresh. Raining to destroy your lives on the earth. What else do you need? Trump did pass yesterday an executive order to open up all the packing houses so they can start processing. The deep state is very active to propagate the pandemic, to destroy the economy, to destroy Trump. There are still thousands and thousands of them out there. They know their day's up if Trump comes back in next presidency. But it's going to take prayer. It's not just Trump. It's Our Lady. She's orchestrating these things. Only power to do so by our prayer, sacrifice, and fasting and repentance. So what good and what happens when we open the packing houses with the food? So it's bottlenecked. All these feeder pigs, all the cattle, they can't keep feeding them. It's breaking the ranchers. It's cheaper for them to take the loss of all hundreds of thousands of pigs, hundreds of thousands of cows, than to keep feeding them. When the packing house is open, who are they going to sell the meat to? So we still got a bottleneck. It just opens one of the segments to put the cattle, the pigs, the chickens, more and more down the processing to get it to the people. But all the restaurants are closed. A lot of people aren't eating what they've been eating. So we still got a glut of all this food. 
They can't be sold anyway, so if the Packer houses can't get their money, then why were they going to open? And what good is the process with all this meat? Which, down the line, when it's dropped down in production, we're going to have a shortage when everything really comes up. So we got problems. The rancher was talking about just opening things up, but that's not going to be the cure. This next clip is 52 seconds, and it's from a perspective of a pig farmer. It's a sad day. It's a tough pill to swallow, um, financially, too, and emotionally. Rusty Kluver got some really bad news this morning. Come this Thursday, he'll have to euthanize his pigs. Because with processing plants shut down due to COVID-19, there's nowhere for him to keep the market-ready animals. He says they normally would send their hogs to the Smithfield plant in South Dakota, but that's closed because of the virus. And other plants like JBS in Worthington have also shut down, causing a backlog of pigs. Not just a few, but we're, we're talking thousands and thousands of pigs. He says he's been very emotional thinking about the process of putting the animals down and doesn't think he'll be able to watch. I have empathy for this guy. But at the same time, Elias says everything is passing, everything is falling apart, only the glory of God remains. Now, this hog farmer may not understand the situation completely, and it's tragic, and it's related to the June 25th, 1989. Satan has special plans to enslave you through materialism. The system is not of God. When you're pushing through thousands and thousands of pigs, feed them out like a production, like a machine. Is that glorifying God? Let's take 100,000 hogs produced by a a huge rancher. And that's the kind of numbers they have. And let's take the same number produced and put a hog, a couple of hogs in a family. Like they had in Medjugorje when we used to go there. They all had one hog, maybe two hogs. And that was the meat for the year. They smoked it. They had lard. They had many things out of this hog. Two hogs would take care of a family. So which is glorifying God? 50,000 people having their own hogs, one or two, or 100,000 hogs in one place pushed through the system. This is what the corona dream is about. One is holy. One brings grace. One keeps you closer to God. So these systems at the same time are falling apart. I've always said You can mass-produce food, but you can't mass-produce good food. The greater life is where you have to run to as quick as you can. We're putting together a second sequel accompanying the Corona Vision to show you what we've done here. Not to save ourselves, but to live a good life and a holy life, a life connected to God. This next clip is a Glenn Buck clip. He's interviewing a Kentucky representative on similar things that Shad said, except it's another perspective. Uh, And I will tell you something, Glenn. I see a very grim future here in a few weeks if the governors don't reverse course. The assembly lines are shutting down. People, when you see these jobless numbers, those are people who aren't going to the factories and aren't working. By the way, you know, we all like to think that the farmers are still working, and they are for the most part, but most of that food goes through a factory that has to be approved by the USDA, et cetera, before it gets to your table. And those factories are shutting down, Glenn. There were six 
slaughterhouses, like giant meat packers that have, have shut down. Uh, we're going to well, run out I, of food I know that. I know that I know that uh, the farmers are now buying up. I mean, I have cattle on my ranch. Um, we're stocking up on food, uh, making sure that you have enough to, so you're not selling your cattle because there's no one to take the cattle and and process the the meat. I think we'll have meat shortages. I think because of of lack of workers on the ground, there's lots of. I talked to a farmer yesterday in North Carolina said he's ready to pull a crop up. He doesn't have anybody to do it, and he can't afford to pay anybody to do it because he's not sure he qualifies for the loan because he only hires people two months at a time, three times a year. Right. And the loan, what are they going to do? The loan, the loan still isn't going to make people come to work. You know, you've seen pictures of dairies pouring out milk. You're going to see pictures of, of cattlemen shooting their cattle and burying them. Uh, because they can't afford, they are, there's no feed to be had, and there's nobody that will process them. And meanwhile, you're going to have shortages in the supermarket. I'm playing you these clips so as you hear the perspectives of boots on the ground, what's happening to people, what they're thinking, what they're saying. Are they even advocating the wrong direction? You can have empathy for these people. At the same time, the way the farmer is is not of God. We built a system that's industrial. And it made it very, very, very clear in 15 words. And you have to drill this in and apply this on everything you look at. Hey, is that from God? Those 15 words are everything is passing. Everything is falling apart. Only the glory of God remains. That little guy out there got his two hogs, got his chickens, got his milk cow, Got his garden, got his family, he's canning. That guy living the corona vision. This last clip is what industry has done to farming. The industrial economy from agriculture to war is by far the most violent the world has ever known. It is a fact that at the end of World War II, Industry geared up to adapt the mechanical and chemical technologies of war to agriculture. At the same time, certain corporate and academic leaders, known collectively as the Committee for Economic Development, decided that there were too many farmers. The relatively self-sufficient producers on small farms needed to become members of the industrial labor force and consumers of industrial commodities. The first problem of a drastic reduction of the land-using population is to keep the land producing in the absence of the people. The Committee for Economic Development had a ready solution. The absent people would be replaced by the mechanical and chemical technologies developed for military use and subsisting upon a seemingly limitless bounty of natural resources. All of the land-using population left their family farms and moved into the cities to be industrially or professionally employed or unemployed, and to be entirely dependent upon the ways and the products of industrialism. Agriculture would become an industry.
farms would become factories, like other factories ever more automated and remotely controlled. Industrial land use became a front in a war against the living world. There is, in fact, no significant difference between the mass destruction of warfare and the massive destruction of industrial land abuse. In order to mine a seam of coal, we destroy a mountain, its topsoil, and its forest. With no regard for the ecosystem, or for the people downhill, downstream, and later in time. But there was another problem that the population engineers did not recognize then and have not recognized yet: agricultural production without land maintenance leads to exhaustion. Land that is in use. If the use is to continue, must be used with care, and care is not and can never be an industrial product or an industrial result. A proper economy would not exploit, siphon away, and finally destroy the life of the land and the people. A proper economy, instead, would recognize, value, cultivate, and conserve in any given place everything that is good in it and worth conserving. If farming is no more than an industry to be unendingly transformed by technologies. Then farmers can be replaced by engineers, and engineers finally by robots, in the progress toward our evident goal of human uselessness. If, on the contrary, because of the uniqueness and fragility of each one of the world's myriad small places, the land economies must involve a creaturely affection. And care. Then we must see and respect the inescapable dependence, even of our present economy, as of our lives, upon nature and the natural world. Good work in the use of the land is work that goes beyond production to maintenance. Production must not reduce productivity. Good work also is informed by traditional, locally adapted ways that must be passed down, taught, and learned, generation after generation. Every mine eventually will be exhausted, but a farm, a ranch, or a forest. Where the laws of nature are observed and obeyed, as given sufficient care and skill, we know they can be, will remain fertile and productive as long as nature lasts. The first time I 
drove in this valley and saw the mountains and how it was laid out. I fell in love with it. There's no ability to have any kind of exaggerated imagination that the Virgin Mary would come here. And when I moved here, I started talking to some of the old-timers. There was very few people here. You could be at the road, and there would be no cars for two or three hours going up and down it. And the people who were here were leftovers. Because what happened at World War II, everybody started working, industry started changing, and the life here was too difficult, even though it was wholesome. And people were very religious. We can tell that by the cemeteries. Or what the road on the tombstones. A few of the people that I talked to who were very old said that there was a house on every little hill and near the creeks, all up into the mountains. And we still see and find foundations where rocks were piled up, where wells were dug. But the Exodus was running from the life that they lived to the city. And the prices of the land dropped down in the 50s for $1 an acre because nobody wanted to do it anymore. We became tantalized, making more money, blenders, washing machines, all these things because life was difficult, but it was holy. And if Our Lady says, only the glory of God remains, how do you think we'll be living? And they were very poor here, and if you don't want that hard life, you need to be really thinking about the corona vision. Because one family can't do it by itself. Everybody here was mostly Protestants, and they did it within the family. It's not enough. You have to have those groups of families working together, because it's more than one family can handle. And that's where community comes in. And that's why community in the future will be important. Not just important, but a necessity. Our Lady reveals these things of what happened when we exited to the city. November 6, 1982, she said, Go on the streets of the city. Count those who glorify God and those who offend Him. God can no longer endure that. Our Lady is saying something's going to happen. Because if God can't endure something, there's going to be changes. Yvonne has said it. You've heard me repeat it. There will be physical changes on the earth. It doesn't take you to be a rocket scientist to figure what it's going to be and what you need to be doing now. April 17, 1986, don't be absorbed with material things. What Our Lady showed us here is be concerned with the way of life. And that's what she's given to us. And it's very beautiful, very difficult. If we didn't have the mission of Caritas, our life would be heaven. Because we have joined together, single consecrated families to live together in a way that is pleasing to God and what a parish should really look like. Mega parishes don't work. That may offend a lot of people. Better that five or ten families pull out, go buy land, put a little chapel. That works. It works much better. In the same way with the farm, it's gone away. And you don't have to be farmers. We have to live the grand life. And there was a time not long ago when the sun did shine, and the sower sowed, and the rain did rain, 
and the crops did grow. It was a time before machinery, a time before certainty, a time before we bought the lie, a time before the farmer died, when we had trusting hearts and the human soul. It was a time not very long ago.
The Antichrist system has erased the time when the sun shined. That sun, who needs to shine now, is the sun of the Holy Virgin Mary. She's here to open our eyes. Love is to drive you. Go to truth. Do now what you cannot do later. And with that, we wish you Our Lady. We love you. Good night. <laughs>